Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Today I'm joined by a friend of the show, Waheed, to chat about the fifth installment of the found footage series Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. Waheed, welcome to the show. Yo, fun on. Nothing much. How's it going, man? This is uh, this is long overdue. I'm happy to have time. you. You were <laughs> the, the person. The original that... duo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For uh, for people that don't know, Waheed and I have a podcast um, that's more of a general movies uh, reviews called uh, Green Line Fair Films. So I was uh, ecstatic to yeah. kind of get you on here, and, and then we branched off of uh, Jake just doing horror suggestions on here, rather <laughs> than turning turning ours into almost eighty uh, percent horror. Yeah, I think uh, after a while it got kind of annoying that I was just like, hey, let's watch this horror movie, let's watch that horror movie, and so forth. So uh, I'm glad, though, to get you on to talk about this. I'm excited. Yeah, like I said, completely long overdue. Yeah, so for those that don't know, uh, the fifth installment in the Paranormal Activity franchise, The Marked Ones, uh, is directed by Christopher Landon, who's behind the uh, Happy Death Day series, and uh, it's currently streaming on Crackle and Pluto TV. Changes things up for this fifth entry. Uh, we see Paranormal Activity following a group of recently graduated Latino high schoolers who discover the women living below the main character Jesse's apartment is involved in witchcraft. Friends uncover this cultish plot to mark Jesse, mm-hmm. uh, but it may be too late for him to kind of escape that. So I'm curious, what about the marked one stands out to you amongst the four paranormal activity movies that preceded this one. I feel like it's one of the, I think like it's probably the paranormal activity movie that kind of had its own identity to it. Mm-hmm. And I like that it kind of veered away from like the main family. Cause normally I think people will be annoyed at spinoff, but I genuinely thought that this movie was probably the best of them of like the entire franchise. I really, really enjoy this one. Cause there's like a genuine sort of uh, like, feeling of found footage and like you know with the the actors and everything it all it feels very genuine and everyone's great in the movie like there's a lot like you know even for a horror movie that's like a lot of like family moments there's a lot of laughs like it feels like an actual you know it feels like a found footage one where like the paranormal activity movie once you got to like three and it just like blew up it just mm-hmm. felt like um you know they're just monetizing as much as they could on the found footage craze and it was just re- retreading the same shit from the old movie but with nothing mm-hmm. sort of uh creative about it just oh let's same let to the security cameras in the house but oh they have little dot laser beams that can detect <laughs> motions and blah 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 like it just got too too corny for its own good and, um, yeah so yeah. i'd only ever seen the original paranormal activity mm-hmm. and i thought it was fine for what it was. Um, but one of the reasons that I never bothered like checking out all the other ones is that from the outside, they all kind of look the same Yeah. in terms of just like the concept. Like there's the original one. Sure. Yeah. But then like two, three and four, just from like the trailers, it's like, okay, it's another white family kind of yeah. wandering around their house like, at night and something moves. Right. So when you recommended this one, I was actually excited to check it out because it's the one that, like you said, with the spinoff, it's, its own it's a fresh thing. Start, it cre- like. Yeah, it's a fresh start and it's creating its own identity from the jump. Uh, and that's kind of like the idea behind it, Yeah, obviously. Yeah. What did you think of it? Often. So I definitely appreciated, like you said, this, the fact that it very much crafts its own identity mm-hmm. and it's it feels more genuine mm-hmm. a lot of the times. 
I don't know if that's because of like the actors that they got did a better job and yeah. whatnot, but it, the whole just sense of community came out in a way. And like, obviously I was a big fan of like the representation mm-hmm. in terms of just like, again, getting away from the kind of like so the white suburban just, family. What, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like after four films, I mean, after two films, like you said, it sounds like that got old real quick. Yeah. Um, so to kind of like change, get a new uh, change of scenery yeah. was fantastic. I thought, um, I think I still had some issues in terms of the lack of scares. Mm-hmm. I mean, like one of the things that I had an issue with, with the original paranormal activity was the pacing is not great in those movies. Yeah. Like I can appreciate the original one as a whole, basically like kickstarting the found footage thing and building up to its big climactic scares. Right. Whereas with this one, I feel like the first act and the third act are pretty good for different reasons. Like the first act is all about kind of just establishing this new setting, yeah. which I mean, it doesn't do anything amazing, but at the same time, it it feels different yeah. for the franchise. And I don't know how many franchises that have as many sequels as Paranormal Activity does uh, are able to feel fresh with the fifth film in the series. Mm-hmm. Whether it's as good as the original one or not is like up for debate mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But at the same time, like it's a rare occurrence that you get something that feels this fresh um, in terms of just like changing things up considerably. Right. Um, yeah. Like it's not a perfect movie, but I think even for the director, um, his name, like you, like you mentioned, he went out to do like happy that day and happy that day to you. And I feel like, mm-hmm. I think that was the first actual movie. Um, like the, let me look it up. It was one of his uh, early ones. Yeah. Because he did, yeah, he did a movie called Burning Palms, which was his directorial debut in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this was the second film that he ever did. Yeah. So, I mean, this kind of set the footprint for him to then move on and do uh, Happy to Take to You. And, oh, this movie got a 39% on Rotten Tomato, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, what, even the audience review is 34%. I don't know. I mean, I... I think that for all that it does well in terms of like making it feel fresh and like we'll get into what I think is the best part of the movie, which is the ending of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it does enough that it it kept me more engaged than I normally would be. I think if it was kind of just like, again, this what this suburban white family where it's just like feels like it's copy and pasted for the fifth time yeah. kind of thing. Um, so in that regard, I tend to overlook some of the narrative shortcomings or predictability of certain things. Mm-hmm. But I definitely felt like it did something else unique with the hauntings. Instead of like things just moving around the apartment like we've seen in all the other movies. Yeah. There's this idea that he's been marked for something. There's this conspiracy angle. Mm -hmm. And in that conspiracy angle, it almost had... Do you ever see that movie Chronicle back in the day? I know it, but I never actually got around to watching it. Yeah. So it's like these teens that are documenting one of them has superpowers or they all have superpowers or something. Mm. And that kind of comes into play in this in that... Jesse finds out that he starts to develop these kind of special powers Mm -hmm. and seeing how he handles having those powers, I think is kind of interesting. And we see that uh, it helps him when he like gets jumped basically. And he's able to defend himself from these two gangsters, but then how he becomes kind of like drunk with power to a certain extent and starts lashing out at other people, the more possessed he becomes. Um, So that was an angle that I thought was cool in terms of just, further distancing itself from the other paranormal activity movies. Right. Yeah. Um, the change was great. And I, 
enjoyed like the chemistry between the lead and like his best friend. Um, yeah, and I like that even when he kind of gets marked or whatever. Like, it's not this immediate thing of like, oh, I'm in danger and something's mm-hmm. happening. Like, they're just kind of exploring it. Like, okay, like what is actually happening? Like, I it's almost like throughout like a Spider-Man movie where like he kind of discovered he had like something like some type of powers and. Mm-hmm. Initially, they're just kind of messing around with it, and I like the little montage they have where they're just doing like the way they have Shazam, the uh, like the superhero, like uh, the when they were doing like the uh, the what do you call it, the the test, whatever, mm-hmm. with the power to see what he can do. Like I like that this movie yeah. kind of did something fun like that, and they have the one point where they're in the skate park, and he uses the power to literally fucking like jump into space with the skateboard yeah. and land back down like just the most <laughs> random thing like i think if you ever talked about paranormal activity movie with someone and they're like and you're like yeah there's a part where the kid pretty much jumped really high almost into space for the skateboard they could like wait what the fuck <laughs> are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> i did like that montage and this one definitely incorporates humor in a way that i think feels more natural and that's definitely like you said the the uh, camaraderie and chemistry especially between uh, Jesse and his best friend Hector, yeah. um, Andrew Andrew Jacobs and George and George Diaz, mm-hmm. uh, respectively, those actors. Just it makes their relationship feel genuine in a way that, like, I don't know. One of the things that I always had an issue with in the original uh, Paranormal Activity was is that uh, Katie and Mika's relationship doesn't feel real. It kind of just feels like the whole movie is him being a dickhead to her. The entire movie, yeah. and it just doesn't. <laughs> it I, just feels like two people pretending to be in a relationship. You, than actually, I watched it recently, like three months ago. I'm like, damn, they're a very beautiful couple. Like, I just never yeah. thought about it. I'm like, damn, they're pretty fucking like problematic in the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, everything exactly. he's saying just came off like so just ego, like male egocentric. Yeah, and so this, I think, I mean, granted, I've only seen the first one and this. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that this definitely is the most naturally feeling one, and like just. Even in terms of like the space and the community and all the different characters, like that was something that I felt definitely separated it from the original one. Yeah. And that's probably just a case of like having a bigger budget, obviously. And this is the fifth in the series, but kind of like getting outside of the house or a haunting not being tied to one place. Yeah. I thought went a long way and kind of just like establishing the world and the setting of the marked ones Mm -hmm. that doesn't make it feel like as claustrophobic, which kind of allows the uh, conspiracy angle that the second half of the movie ties into or unfolds into um, made it work really well. Yeah. Um, let me say, where, what like particular scene kind of stood out to you? Like, what were your highlights of the movie? Well, I think that montage that you mentioned of them trying to like hurt themselves was pretty funny because we see uh, we see Jesse like leaning backwards, like free falling. And then obviously something, the spirit that's marked him stops him. Yeah. He's like tr- tries to jump off of a chair and whatnot. Yeah. He basically jumps into space on the skateboard, yeah. which is funny. And then uh, contrasting that with George trying to do it mm. and him just fucking his shit up every single time because yeah. he's obviously not marked. Like that was pretty funny. Um I liked the scene where those kind of like gangsters try to jump them. Mm. And we see that first instance of his powers where he like flings them across the uh, basketball court or whatever that they're in. Yeah. And just kind of like little moments like that. 
Um, and then I really liked the ending. Obviously, yeah. the ending was uh, really great. Actually, like we think about it. Actually, one thing I, I did want to say, Ian, about that montage, and I feel like that also gave a because Christopher Landon wrote the movie as well. I feel like that just also gave him sort of his, his comedic inspiration for Happy Death Day to you. Like I think he does a yeah. great way for blending comedy with horror. Obviously, mm-hmm. like the horror in this like is not that apparent mm-hmm. compared to Happy Death Day to you or Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you. But I still thought it was like it was just a more fun movie and like it didn't have much horror, but I think just genuinely as a movie, it felt better than the other, and maybe that's why it didn't get and critically received mm-hmm. and the other because people are probably just expecting like maybe the change of scenery and everything the folk gets completely different in this one i think that may have been the issue and probably not a hear they wanted it to be <laughs> but yeah uh, i think i mean i would say for as much as i enjoyed the the differences in it from the original one mm-hmm. at the same time it feels like this movie was basically made with the last 10 minutes in mind from the beginning. Yeah. And it was almost like he didn't necessarily know how to incorporate that into the rest of the movie. Yeah. Cause there's, I don't know, again, like the first act I think does a good job of kind of exploring the chemistry of the characters and the relationships and whatnot. Yeah. But then there's a good like 45 minutes where there's not really any scares that are remarkable Mm -hmm. or anything like that. And it kind of is just him slowly transforming into this uh, possessed being. And then we get the reveal at the end that connects this movie to all the other movies. Um, But again, just like getting to that last 10 minutes, I think it's very apparent that the movie was designed with connecting it to the larger cinematic universe. Yeah. But they didn't necessarily do, he didn't do a fantastic job, I think, of making that feel organic. Kind of just feels like at the end of the movie, they drop this massive like cinematic connection when... Maybe that could have been incorporated throughout the movie Mm -hmm. instead of just like this one big kind of uh, crescendo moment at the end. Yeah. It definitely kind of came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I think I like that. I mean, I like that. I felt like it made a pretty dope connection to the first movie, even though like it's a little. little Contrived. It's a little. Yeah. But if you watch the one that came after this one, uh, what was it called? Ghost Dimension. Ghost Dimension. Like, that was the epitome of, like, okay, we are, like, just trying to milk the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely like that they connect it. And even as somebody that hasn't seen any of them since the first one, mm-hmm. I like the idea that, because the end of the movie, is, the twist is that, like, this cult has marked Jesse and he's got these powers. Yeah. Um, and then he goes through the door that they reference in the beginning of the movie where... They basically find this door, this information about a doorway that it lets you travel to a demon dimension or a ghost right. dimension. And when he goes through the door in that cult house, when he's running away from uh, Jesse, mm-hmm. he ends up back in the house of the first movie. Yeah. And he's he's basically a ghost, I think, at that point. Um, and he sees like a couple of characters from the original. But at another point, there's like two little demon girls that are from one of the other movies, I think. Yeah. yeah so they initially like teleport to... So, to explain that part, where he ends up where those two, with those two girls, mm-hmm. that's Katie, that's Paranormal Activity 3, which is meant to be a, it's a prequel. Mm-hmm. So, it kind of explains why Katie, from the beginning, was, like, marked with the, by the demon or whatever, like, so they show yeah. just, like, act kids 
uh, their grandma went into like some weird like cult shit, and essentially volunteered Katie, like the both of them, mm-hmm. uh, mainly I think Katie had sort of like the main grandchild. She essentially was marked as a child, mm-hmm. and that's why the movie, uh, like, it's the same thing with that movie where like the kids go to the basement and they're just screaming and you don't know why. They, you think mm-hmm. it's a ghost, but then this way we get the connection that it actually it's because they somehow teleport to the past, and right. that's how they ended up there. And then they're teleporting again into, like, present day, where they run into, like, the demon version of Katie, mm-hmm. but then she kind of turns back to normal to then react, and that's where you get the scene from the first movie, where she's screaming bloody murder and Micah gets up and like runs downstairs and then it's quiet and then you know the his body gets flung back into the room and mm-hmm. yeah yeah again like I like how it connects all of them I just wish that maybe it had done that throughout the movie yeah, instead just, like, of do the little instead of like the last of, 10 minutes yeah what do you call leaving the 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 what do you call the 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 crumb the crumb yeah of, yeah, like just basically, I think that had it indicated or had it gotten to the conspiracy element faster, because they only figure that out in the last, what, 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah. It would have been nice if they had figured that out sooner, because then there could have been more opportunities to implement this uh, world connecting of worlds or connecting of films, basically. Yeah. Instead of at the end when, I mean, for, even for somebody that hasn't watched all the movies, like I I like that in movies. It's kind of like the Marvel effect a little bit mm. where this idea that like all of these movies are connected in one way, whether it's a major connection or a minor connection, there's just something inherently cool about that and connecting things that you're familiar with to new things. But at the same time, like, like I said, it does feel kind of contrived in that it is this massive bombshell, but once it drops, like the movie's over and the next five minutes or something like that. Yeah. Uh, um, so I definitely would have wished for more moments like that. And just, I guess in terms of scares overall, like I thought this movie was kind of lacking in that. I, I like the, it, I would say it's more like dark sci-fi almost mm-hmm. this or dark fantasy in that it really is about him using his powers in mm-hmm. increasingly disturbing ways. Like we see when he's torturing his dog, uh, which is like, fucked up of course yeah. but at the same time like it's not really scary it's just kind of like oh this is somebody being corrupted with this newfound power yeah in increasingly disturbing ways which i mean he goes on to kill his grandmother so yeah i said it doesn't get much more disturbing than that all right uh god man yeah i think that's why maybe i enjoy it a little bit more because i didn't really i even like don't think of it as like a typical horror movie but yeah. i guess if i enjoyed it like I think I'm over just the jump scare. Like that. Yeah. I feel like movies that are just kind of a little fucked up a little bit are mm-hmm. more and more scary. Like movies like The Witch, like I know people hate The Witch, but that movie made made me just so uneasy in general. Yeah. I like that's a reason why I really enjoyed that movie or like just Yeah. I don't know. I feel like this movie had elements of that, even though it's not like executed perfectly, but it had a moment for like, oh, that's like kind of fucked up. Like, yeah, I that. think it 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 definitely does more to draw me in than the previous. Yeah, than rather than just having like a fucking blanket move on its own or a door right. open or just some bullshit they always have. 
uh, there's more of a emphasis on kind of establishing the setting and the people that are within that setting, which I can appreciate. Whereas the original one, it felt like a lot of standing around in between moments waiting for the next jump scare that kind of doesn't do much more than the one that preceded it. It's like, okay, now the powder's on the ground. We see the footprints. Now we hear a bang or a roar or whatnot. And it's like, I can appreciate the original as a complete package rather than any one particular moment that stands out. Whereas with this, I think, I think less of this as a complete package and more of it as like individual moments that define the movie. Yeah. But Um, for the fifth entry in a movie, like I would have to say that based on my, again, like my assumptions of what two, three and four entailed, like it's pretty impressive that they were able to make something as independently defining for a spinoff as this. Yeah. Could even, um, Christopher Landon, he wrote Paranormal, Paranormal, uh, Paranormal Activity 3 as well, which I oh, also okay. think is not bad. Like, once good, just because it's like it started the, the whole trend essentially uh, mm-hmm. of found footage movies. And like, two just felt like it was retreading the first one. Three started as like kind of a prequel, but I think it was just a better movie in general. Like, if, if I were to rank it, like, I think this is my favorite one. Three is my second favorite. Oh, he wrote three and four. Three and four? Oh, why four? Yeah, he wrote three, four, and uh, and five. Oh, the Mark yeah. ones. Yeah, three is better. I think I wasn't a big fan of four. I just I don't like that. Uh, yeah, I don't. You should watch them all though. Like just as a like. I mean, I'm sure you watch shittier horror movies, so I'm sure you could endure <laughs> three more. Hey, these are short. These are shorts. So. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 already you've already gone through two in the list, so I think you can bear yeah. bear teeth to three more. Yeah, you know, I mean, for as much I think they're rebooting it. Shit too, actually, I'll try. Go ahead. What's up? What were you gonna say? I, I think they're rebooting it. Actually, uh, so I actually I just checked the sixth one, or sorry, the seventh one rather is pushed to next year, like. Everything else is being pushed right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're going to – I don't know what six entails, but I assume that they're going to continue that story. Yeah. Um, I mean, this series as a whole, like, as uneven as it can be sometimes, is still remarkable. And it's one of those film series that you can't, like, talk about horror or the history of horror movies without mentioning these movies just based on how – successful they are like it's unfathomable how successful this franchise is and i think i read that this franchise has generated just shy of a hundred million from a billion dollars in revenue or something something insane uh, like that and they've only spent 30 million dollars making the movies or 30 to 50 yeah like this one you said that this one you're looking up the ratings like has the lowest ratings but at the same time this one cost less than 10 million dollars to make and it made 90 million yeah which is just like absolutely insane. Oh no, not ten. I think they made it, but ten million or they have like ten thousand. This one? No. Oh, the original. The original. Oh, oh, oh yeah, you're no, talking no, that was the original. One. Sorry, I was talking about uh, the marked ones. Yeah. Yeah, the marked ones. Um, it's real vague. It says like five to ten between five and ten million uh, budget. But I mean, the fact that it made ninety million is insane. And yeah. yeah, like you were saying, the original one, they spent what it was ten grand, I think, and it made. Uh, a million or something like that. Yeah, dude. Or a hundred, hundred million. Yeah, they fucking know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, they have, they have the eye when it comes to uh, 
when it comes to producing up and coming series or horror Could series. Do thing. <laughs> yeah, with the minimal budget, but they make it work for the most part. Um, yeah, so I'm looking at it right now. They said the production budget of the original one was 15000 Post production was 215000 yeah. And the movie went on to make $193 million. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's so insane. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, what else about this movie? Are there any other specific moments we didn't mention that really make it stand out for you amongst it? Because you said this is your favorite, correct? Yeah. Um, what particular like scare really stood out to you amongst the other ones? I think when they have the uh, when they're creeping through the like the old lady downstairs who like initially they're just like oh like she's like the weird lady downstairs but then you know she just dies suddenly and there's that night where they kind of creep through her apartment because they're trying to like mm-hmm. hook up with those two girls yeah and it gets like really creepy like they're hearing noise and whatever and they open up that like basement cellar door and yeah. they're like the valedictorian from their high school like who went missing just pops out from there and like clearly like possessed or something and mm-hmm. like run like that was like a pretty great moment because they just got turned to the thing of like uh they could be like an awkward like sex scene that just throwing into a horror movie because you know boobs but <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. managed to generate a pretty mild like you know yeah, that character. part where that part where she sticks her head down into that like it almost looks like the the basement door from like Evil Dead or something. Yeah, yeah. She sticks he, like, her, grabs her by the head. Yeah, he grabs her hair, and it was just like you could see it coming, but at the same time, like it's still creepy. And I think that that's one of those instances where the found footage perspective really helps. Yeah, heighten certain scares in some moments. Like, mm-hmm. of course, there's it has the same kind of perspective that they have in all the movies. But again, I think. Found footage gets overlooked sometimes in terms of how you can use that perspective to make something that even if you can see it coming, like you feel like you're in their shoes. Like even that scene where they go to the church in the beginning of the movie and he hear he's like ser- Jesse searching the uh, bathroom stalls and it gets to the point where he gets to the one that's locked and he puts the camera down underneath. And like, even though nothing really comes out of that, like yeah. I was still tense because I was just like, I would not be putting my face under there because something is for sure going to jump out. Yeah. It's, yeah. It definitely one like the highlight one for me. Uh, and even um, when they eventually go back to the apartment later for like the, for the final moment before they get teleported, like, the movie does a great job of sort of like creating the like unease. Like I mean, that's the with a lot of horror movies that sometimes they or I guess all the paranormal activities have that sort of formula of like a lot may not be happening in the first hour and a half, but like those last like twenty minutes, you're just like on the edge of your seat, like you know, waiting for shit to pop off. And that was sort of the same case. And I think I kinda had like <laughs> I watched this movie when did it come out? I think 2014. Yeah, like how old was I? 2014. 22. Yeah, it was like right after college, essentially. So yeah. I was watching it at a buddy's house, and like I don't think we were just. It was like a late night, just kind of random watch. I was like, oh yeah, like there's that new parent, like the Spanish paranormal, <laughs> the Spanish uh, mm-hmm. paranormal activity movie just came out. You want to like just watch that? <laughs> so we just watched it uh at his house and i like wasn't expecting much out of it mm-hmm. and so like when it eventually got to like that last 20 minutes where it's just like super tense and like kind of frightening whatever 
and then they jump to like the random uh like time travel aspect i was like wait what like <laughs> it like blew my mind i was I don't know. They were. It's just something I was not expecting for the franchise. I'm like, oh, they're like doing something sci-fi, like in the weird and it's horror franchise that has just mainly been, you know, found footage, security camera bullshit, blanket scares, and that type of stuff. And I'm. I mean, again, that's incredibly rare. I think for a movie that, by all accounts, you're familiar with exactly what's going to happen, or you can assume basically based on the four that preceded it but at the same time like it's still able to surprise you in certain ways that are exciting and i think even if it takes even if the pacing isn't the best and it takes too long to get to those moments yeah it's better than not doing those things at all yeah and so i would much rather sit through a movie like this where it's like yeah there's probably a good 45 50 minutes of the movie that i'm kind of just like okay we gotta like get to something more engaging but at the same time in the end it has a payoff at that I think might be a little contrived, but at the same time, it did something completely different that I wasn't expecting that gives you hope for the next one. And even though it (laughs) sounds like the next movie, it sounds like the next movie did not capitalize on that. It did not, but But, uh, in the moment. At least it it introduces this new concept that has the potential. And I think they're going to keep on making these movies because they're profitable. So the more potential they introduce for new and exciting ways to tell stories, like at least there's that potential and it's not just like, Jumping between video cameras, like you said, it, it was definitely one of the most creative like choices that the franchise made. And I think, like, mm-hmm. in the moment when I initially watched it, like, in my brain, I just had that like, bro, this could be a, an Oscar-winning movie. <laughs> like, just <laughs> mentality in my head for like a split like five seconds. I'm like, what am I talking about? But it was just like that effective for me. And I think a lot of people probably enjoyed that, but clearly, mm-hmm. there it just did not hit with a lot of people but I thought it was a good move. I don't know though. This movie, I think Stan, I, I would say that since this is his first major commercial movie, like this is, uh, the director's second movie, but this is his first big commercial movie. Yeah. I think if horror studios were looking at the originality, he was able to pump into something that by all intents and purposes has been fairly similar and stagnant for the last couple of sequels. And to do it on a budget that, is less than ten million dollars and make ninety ish yeah. million. Like, I don't think it's a it's a surprise that he was able to make. Uh, what was that movie he followed up with? Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, that and then obviously we got Happy Death Day one and two, and which like, I th- are pretty good. And it's pretty. It's they're definitely a correlation with uh, Happy Death Day to you being like definitely clearly for like the footprint to the plot. Mm-hmm. Can they? You know, the first movie is initially just a straight horror movie with like a Groundhog Day twist to it. But then with the second movie, you realize that, like, this was all due to, like, some scientific uh, knickknack that they have in a lab <laughs> that just, you know, has caused everything. So they bring, like, that time element or time travel element into that movie. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's. Watching this movie after seeing those two movies again, like you can see, okay, this movie was clearly sort of like what inspired him to then do Happy That Day Two and like or Happy both of them and just um what do you call it? Even like the plot, like they're they're clearly borrowing some of the elements from that he used in Paranormal Activity marked ones for the plot of that as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I mean. 
it makes even though you've told me that the paranormal activity film that precedes this one or that uh comes after this one is not nearly as good like if i had seen this before that one was even out mm. based off of this one i would still even if it's not like my favorite movie i would still probably be willing to at least give the series another shot after that um can i can i give you a quick brief down of the or a uh, quick brief memory yeah, of the plot <laughs> so yeah go for the it. next one ends up being uh some people end up going on like a camping trip and some cabin that a friend of theirs owns, whatever. And in the attic of the of the cabin, they find a like special camera that they don't really understand. But when they turn it on, it shows like different uh, little uh, I don't know what you call it. They can just see like shit that can't be seen to the normal eye mm-hmm. through that camera. And eventually, huh. they realize that it can it can see ghosts, and that's the. It's like a Ghostbusters camera. Essentially, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah, <laughs> I have nothing else to say. That doesn't not sell me on this it's at all. Just, <laughs> it's not meant to do it. I watched that movie in theaters, yeah. and like the last ten minutes are like scary, but. Everything else before, and I'm like, I can buy the time travel stuff, but a ghost camera, it just felt like just a fucking... It's asking you to uh, suspension disbelief a little too much. A little too much. I'm like, come on. like. See, it's such a shame that they keep running into this issue, it sounds like, which is the main problem with these movies, is that the last 10, 20 minutes can be good and scary because it has that payoff, but everything that precedes it, it sounds like, is just underwhelming, and it really is a testament to what like they need to start bringing in more talented directors I guess is what it boils down to just directors that have a vision of telling a story like this in a unique way because found footage has a bad rap for being garbage movies or whatever because of so many sequels that kind of cap try to capitalize on the found footage genre craze but at the same time like there's plenty of great examples of found footage it's just that they keep getting people that it seems like they're placing too much faith in the fact that, oh, we'll sell tickets because this is in the found footage genre, not because this is a good found footage film yeah. kind of thing, which sucks. And I'm hoping that going forward, like, I think Christopher Landon has sort of made a reputation of himself within Blumhouse now mm-hmm. that oh, yeah. hopefully they'll bring him back and they can, because it's been like years since they made one. And like, I, I think mm-hmm. they're making a seven now. They're yeah, like, it's got pushed to next year. Oh, did it? Okay. Did they? Do you know if they? Did they finish filming it, or did it happen? I haven't heard anything about it. I just know it got I pushed. I look it up, but I know they're working I, on it. Um, I would assume. So the last thing that I read was that it got pushed to next year. This was the only paranormal. The marked ones is the only one that didn't release in October because they like to release them obviously around Halloween. Oh, did it bring it back? Perfect. Yeah, but my new fear is that they just pushed. Halloween kills and Halloween ends. So Halloween kills is going to be in 2021. Mm. And I don't think Blumhouse is going to release two horror movies in October against one another. So I would not be surprised if part seven gets pushed again. Yeah. Just because they don't want to conflict with Halloween ends or, or Halloween kills or Halloween ends. Yeah. So it might, we might, this is all speculation, obviously, but. I would be willing to bet that we don't see the next Paranormal Activity movie for quite some time. Yeah. Which, hey, take a few years off and fucking 
figure that out. Get somebody in that has a fresh I mean, the, vision. That's what I'm this. hoping. Like they took like a five year break. I'm hoping like they they better have done something new or just like if they if they're bringing it back just to cap it like you know. The franchise does not have the same energy that it used to have. Like they're gonna need to do something like fresh in order to get the money that they're expecting. Yeah, and that's definitely one of those things where I don't want to see anything until they do that. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, like I think I'm kind of over them doing various, uh, just kind of like cashing in on the last thing that they did. Yeah. I don't know. I would love to see more one shots like this or. I guess this wasn't a one-off, but it was a spinoff uh, yeah. for a majority of it. But yeah, yeah they, need to, they need to kind of like focus more. I guess I would like to see them do some type of film that the entire film ties in all the other movies, not just the last 10 minutes. Yeah, I agree. But um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see, man. I'm mean, looking forward to it, and I'm, I'm going to end up watching it regardless. But um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe... I'm hoping that this gave them the time they need to kind of figure things out and find a way to bring something new into the franchise that'll actually make pe- people want to watch it. Because I think they've dropped a couple bombs lately with uh, mm. Fantasy Island and yeah, <laughs> or wasn't Invisible Man? There... No, it wasn't Blumhouse, wasn't it? Yeah, Invisible Man was Blumhouse. Oh, uh, oh shit! But. For every one movie like Invisible Man, they have like ten they other spr- mediocre. They sp- they've been spreading themselves increasingly thinner in terms of just like producing everything. Because I would say there's like ten movies at any given time that are on Netflix or something that are produced by them mm-hmm. that is less than stellar. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I mean that's their formula. Let's just turn out much if we can. One lands and then that's it. But I mean, yeah, we'll see what yeah. happens next one. Um. But yeah, you should definitely go back and just for the sake of clarity, just go watch the rest of the franchise. I think you'll enjoy three. Mm-hmm. Um, I well, hey, two, maybe sometime, maybe sometime uh, when we have you know, more free time, we could do a series review of them. Yeah, we could possibly do we that. Possibly do that. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that you uh, selected this one to watch because if you were going to tell me to watch any of them, it sounds like this is the one that. I think is the most far removed from the one that I had seen previously. Yeah. Uh, so for that, I'm a pre- I'm a, I'm thankful for that. So thanks. <laughs> yeah. Actually, like I I don't know I I feel like this movie is underrated and gets shat mm-hmm. on a lot, but I think it's meant to be a little diverse, and that's why people did not like it because people are just mm-hmm. stupid and want the same fucking schlock that they get. Right. But yeah, that's that's my hot take on it. The movie underrated. Oh, well. Fuck anyone who thinks that. No, that's part of that's part of what I want to do with uh, Daily Horror Habit, and that it's like I want to give a platform to people to kind of like speak their piece on movies that they feel are underrated or films that people have just been neglecting to check out. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, even if I was a listener and I had only seen one or two of these movies, and I was like, is this series worth checking out? Like, hearing that the fifth one in the series does something new and refreshing, even if it's not perfect or yeah. stellar sometimes or throughout the entire thing, like that might, that would get incentivized me to check it out. So yeah. I appreciate you uh, coming on and speaking your piece on paranormal activity and marked ones. No problem. Thanks for having me on uh, episode 40 something eventually, but <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad that you have your platform for 
your fucking lust for horror movies. <laughs> you deviant. It's a, pr- it's a pretty accurate way to describe it. But uh, yeah, man, I'd love to have you on again sometime in the future. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll find another decent franchise that I can fortune <laughs> to get trapped. Awesome. Well, I can't wait. Thanks again. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service. And follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram or at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.